Hey guys, Georgie here, back with another episode of Breaking Up with Binge Eating. Today, I want to talk about something that I've discussed recently with clients in the last month, but it's honestly not a new problem at all. This is something that comes up fairly frequently, so I've had it on my list of topics for episodes for quite a while. I'm actually relieved that I'm finally getting to this one. What I want to talk about is the phenomenon where we make a mistake, feel terrible about it, and then it leads to continued eating. It might be emotional eating, or it might feel like binge eating, but the details don't matter. Most people can probably relate to how it feels to make a mistake and then continue making mistakes, which only make you feel worse. Today, I want to talk about how to break that cycle so you can forgive yourself more easily, move on, and not compound problems after the initial error. To accomplish this, we need to talk about a logical sequence of things we can do after we make an error to help ourselves get past it and feel better. If your habitual responses to slip-ups have included raking yourself over the coals, groveling, collapsing into a shame spiral, or self-medicating your misery with food, this episode is for you. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating Podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Poor management of mistakes goes like this. Firstly, we make some kind of error. It may be with food, such as eating until we're past full, or having more dessert than we intended. It can be something completely unrelated to food intake. For example, we may make the mistake of putting some email aside and then not getting a work task done by the deadline. Secondly, discovering our mistake causes immense emotional discomfort. We may feel so distracted and upset that we spend the rest of the day in a haze, unable to get a ton done, and unable to be very present. That feeling terrible is a hallmark of somebody who suffers from poor mistake management. Thirdly, the intensity of self-blame and guilt overrides our goal of long-term binge freedom, and we do exactly the kind of things with food that we are trying so hard to stop doing. We resort to eating or drinking to cope with our immediate distress. And what does that eating and drinking lead to? You got it. More distress, more emotional pain. As I see it, an innocent, good person doing the best they can ends up paying a very unfair penalty. Without strong mistake management skills, simply being a human causes hours or days of lost productivity and happiness, intense distress, and harm to a person's health from excess food or drink. Not to mention what emotional eating or binge eating episodes do to relationships. You know, hiding things, keeping secrets, breaking promises, or generally withdrawing into a little shame bubble. We have to do something about this, right? It's so unfair. Here's how we at Nutrition Loft turn this around with our clients. When a client recounts a real-life example of overeating or a binge episode, we can follow the threads back to its beginning with a preliminary slip-up, and then discuss interventions to change the outcome for the future. What can we change to avoid a binge or overeating incident from happening again? Most of our clients have tried to stop this domino effect from happening by compelling themselves to make fewer mistakes. Being more perfect will lead to less binging, 
or so the underlying logic says. You don't need me to tell you this is an ineffective approach. You've probably tried it. Our clients may also see that emotion regulation skills are going to help them respond differently to intense emotional discomfort. This is also true. We spend lots of time in sessions working on practical strategies for handling hard feelings without turning to food or alcohol. But in addition to those two approaches, there is a hidden keyhole, often unseen, that can help unlock this whole issue. Everything gets better when we work with clients on not being emotionally destroyed by mistakes in the first place. Massive relief, less pain, less binges, it's a super productive spot to develop new skills. We can't mistake-proof your life, but we can learn to deal with and move on from our stumbles without the emotional carnage and abuse of food. Let's get to it. Have you noticed that not every person feels equally derailed by their errors? Does it seem like you are more upset by your blunders than your coworkers, friends, or family members are about theirs? When it comes to people with binge eating disorder, subclinical binge eating, or emotional eating, it's practically a rule that people feel exaggerated levels of distress about personal errors. This is not the same as perfectionism, but the two traits often co-occur. So today what I'd like to do is offer you a list of steps that comprise the skills of mistake management. I'm a fan of very explicit directions. I find they're super actionable. So consider jotting down this incoming list of five things for handy reference. And the next time you make a mistake and are wringing your hands, wincing, saying, ah, I feel so bad. How could I have done that? Think of this podcast episode. Go get that list. So step number one, accept how you feel. I know accept how you feel is the sort of thing I say frequently. And you might be like, yeah, I don't really understand what you mean by that. To clarify. Let me describe the opposite. Rejection and invalidation of your feelings is the opposite. And it can sound like, God, I shouldn't still be so upset over this. It was just a typo. Or, God, get over it, Georgie. Or, I'm being a baby over this. You may just hear the refrain echoing in your head, or you might be saying it out loud. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And all of those can be ways of avoiding the fact that we feel something after we've made a mistake and our emotions are worth noticing. So I encourage you to just drop all of that rejection and invalidation and just let yourself feel guilty, sad, regretful, embarrassed, or whatever is truly there. Just accepting how we feel allows us to deal in 100% reality. Step two, accept your role in what happened. It can be tempting to look for someone to shift the blame onto when really we ourselves made the error. Or we may play a minor role in a complex snafu and unfairly see ourselves as 100% personally the cause. Taking care not to place too much or too little of the responsibility on ourselves helps keep things in perspective and helps us realistically evaluate our options for avoiding a repetition. That's the next part of step two. Do what you can to prevent this from repeating itself in the future. Maybe you want to set a reminder so you don't forget the same task next month, 
or you want to leave earlier for the airport next time to avoid missing your flight. Or maybe you need to back up your work so you don't inadvertently lose a ton of work due to one press of the delete key. Step number three. Apologize to people who are affected by your mistake. Apologizing is a skill, and it can be an impressive one at that. I've had a number of people apologize to me over the years in a way that increased my respect for them. Specifically, shout out to Josh Hillis for being an outstanding example of the art of screwing up followed by top-notch apology. Josh and I were speaking at a conference circa 2016-ish, and we were sharing a rental car. He was supposed to drive me to the venue in the afternoon for my presentation, and he was nowhere to be found. I was trying to stay calm, but I was definitely in a fair bit of panic that my slot to speak was minutes away and my ride still hadn't shown up. Josh did show up. He peeled out of the parking lot, sped me to the hotel, and everything ended up being okay. I think they rearranged the order of speakers so someone else covered my spot and I spoke a bit later. I can't remember, but what I do remember was later. We were relaxing on the couches at our Airbnb and Josh gave me one of the finest apologies I've ever received. He acknowledged he dropped the ball by losing track of time and acknowledged that making me late for my own talk must have really escalated the stress of public speaking while causing me some professional embarrassment. He was clear this would never happen again, and his sincerity was obvious. I don't remember what I said, but I do know that this did not impact our friendship negatively at all. That might not be the case if he failed to apologize or if he just gave, oh, sorry about that, so sorry, and that was it. In fact, I feel like this exchange really increased my respect for him and admired who he was as a human being. After all, I have been late numerous times for things. I absolutely could have done the same thing and forget to drive someone, and I know I would have felt terrible too. I kind of made a note to myself that the next time I gaff in a similar way, be like Josh because that was really classy. A really excellent apology communicates that we are not okay with what happened. It recognizes the damage we caused and expresses that the other person's feelings are important to us. If you've taken steps to prevent it from reoccurring, even better, because that shows we're committed to changing. What we don't want to do is grovel, repeating that we're sorry over and over again. It's also best to avoid explaining why we made the mistake or making excuses. The people affected by your mistake will often include you. You deserve an apology just as much as other people you've hurt. Consider how it would feel if you told yourself, hey, I made a bad call eating that whole basket of chips. I'm sorry. It gave you a stomach ache, set you back from the goals you want to achieve. You don't deserve that. I want to be more supportive. Next time, I'm just going to ask him to take the basket of chips away after I've taken a handful. I don't want to do this again to you. Apologizing to yourself in this way is powerful. It helps you stay on your own side, change your behavior more effectively, and lay a foundation for a trusting, self-respecting relationship with your permanent roommate. Whether it's with somebody else or with yourself, When you have a long-standing relationship that shows mutual concern, one mistake and apology will not wreck it. A good strong friendship or relationship is going to be able to bounce back and be even stronger after repairing some ruptures. 
Also, when it comes to attaching meaning to your own behavior or other people's behavior, remember everybody has a finite capacity for distress. Beyond that point, we all are going to act irrationally, desperately, and selfishly. So when you aren't your best self, please don't conclude that you're stupid, weak, a bad person. When in fact, you may have simply been pushed past your distress tolerance at that moment in time. This doesn't justify actions, to be clear, but it does enable us to have more compassion for ourselves and what happened. Then we can work on preventing ourselves from falling repeatedly into that pattern. Step four, ask yourself the question, have I learned everything I can? And have I done everything I reasonably can to prevent this or decrease the odds of it happening in the future? If the answer to that question is yes, you move to number five, which is let it go. That can be the hardest part, right? Sometimes we want to make repeated apologies and reiterate to someone just how sorry we are that we did that to them. But often this doesn't help amend the relationship any faster. It continues to draw out the experience for everybody involved. You've done your job if you've gracefully managed your slip up. And the most productive and helpful thing to do now is return your focus to your current actions and choices. It doesn't show you care more if you're upset for days after making a blunder. Ongoing, exaggerated remorse doesn't help you or anyone. With these five steps, you can be ready for the next time you make a mistake. The day is coming. If you try these out, you can handle your next screw up with far less distress. Potentially, you can gain respect from others, and because you have an effective step-by-step plan for dealing with the tricky time period immediately following a mistake, you can regain your emotional stability and avoid numbing out with food. What I'd like you to practice this week, if you're game for it, is to notice your interpretation and reactions to your own mistakes. When, not if, you screw up, run through the five steps. I also encourage you to be mindful of how you interpret other people's mistakes. Other people are going to make them too. I've recognized two types of people when it comes to making mistakes. My clients almost universally have a tendency to be excessively hard on themselves after making mistakes. But where I see people diverge is in their interpretation of other people's mistakes. The first group has a double standard where they have zero understanding and are rigidly critical of their own errors, but they're infinitely understanding and forgiving with other people's errors. If this is you, the five steps are where you need to focus. After all, you're doing great with understanding and forgiving other people. Now you need to work on being that way for yourself. The other group has no tolerance for mistakes, whether they are their own or someone else's. These people interpret honest errors as stupidity, carelessness, or intentional harm. When someone forgets to call them back, for example, they may interpret it as, that person doesn't care, that person doesn't love me. An error on a spreadsheet at work might reveal, that employee doesn't care about their job, they're not motivated, or they're not very smart. Viewing mistakes this way causes tension and conflict in relationships where there doesn't need to be any disharmony. If this feels like it describes you, it's okay. You just have a little more work to do. You will gain a lot from practicing the five steps on your errors, 
but you will also benefit from shifting your interpretation of other people's mistakes. All it means is that you're dealing with a human being. If you find this helpful, please consider leaving a review. They mean a ton to me. And if you feel like you need some one-on-one help or are interested in our group breaking up with binge eating program, fire me an email and we'll figure out what's best for you. My email is georgiefear at gmail.com and I will see you in the next episode. 